I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Like, I dated, this is, like, the grossest sentence in the world, but a skateboarder slash comedian off and on for a long time. And like, I was like, well, clearly we're, like, dating. And looking back, it's, like, so obvious that we weren't. But it's, like, my perspective at that age was, like, mm. everything is falling in love. Y'all, I am not going to lie to you. This is now the seventh time I have tried to record this intro outro for you. I do not know why I'm struggling so much. One time was because I was cooking uh, and my timer went off and you could hear it in the background and I was so mad because it was a good intro outro. But also like just full transparency, I'm like struggling a little bit today. I, uh, it just happens, right? So it's like, well, what do you do? You just reset, you restart, you go from there. Um, which I think is important to talk about. Like, I don't know about you, but like February is a rough month, rough month in a lot of ways. Um, in a lot of good ways too. Like a lot of me personally, the show was on tour a lot of February, which is really fun. But with that extra, um, in a way burden comes like more responsibility in balancing my life. And I can tell you, I don't think I balanced it very well. Um, so And it's just like learning from that and growing from that because otherwise it was a great fucking month. But that part's rough, like learning how to balance your personal time and your professional time and your day job time and relationships and all of that jazz. And I just think it's important to really talk about that. However, let me get straight into this episode. It's a really good episode. It's a really interesting episode. I got to sit down with my friend Lauren Greenhall and talk about her first feature film. She fucking directed a feature film. Like how fucking amazing is that? And we talk about it. It's called Perfectly Good Moment. I'm not going to give too much away. I can't wait to see it. Um, 
but it is about a relationship, right? Uh, with a, I'm going to say sizable age difference and just what happens with that and the power dynamics of that. And that's something to say, because it's obviously more movies, more than just that, but we talk about the movie a lot because obviously that is something, um, that fits in very well with the themes that we talk about in awkward sex. We talk about power dynamics, age differences in relationships, relationships alone, like in your twenties, like what that looks like. Um, we talk about porn, Avi, because Avi, I love a good power dynamic in porn. One of my faves, uh, to be honest. And, um, also we talk about being a female creative specific, uh, specifically, um, being a female director, what that looks like, how do you draw from your life, um, what it is like to draw from your life to help direct a specific film uh, that you are a part of and all of those things. And I just think it's really interesting. And we end kind of talking about um, the things that are unseen, right? Like, like, like I was just saying, like I just toured, right? So all the shows, you know, talking about them being sold out, talking about this and X, Y, and Z on social media and what that looks like and how all the good is highlighted, right? Like in our reels, in our our videos, in our stories, whatever you use. But what is like the unseen? What is the unspoken? And starting to like learn how to step away from that like quote unquote filter that we put on our lives that we present to people on social media, right? Like what is the truth? How do we get better about that? And people are definitely talking about it way more, which I think is amazing, but I think there's a long way to go. And it's especially like for ourselves personally, like learning how to not judge ourselves um, based on others, like highlight reels and learning how to get away um, and understanding that it is a highlight reel um, of their lives and not 24 seven. Um, but I think you're going to really like this episode. I think I finally did it. I think we finally got the intro that I have wanted uh, seven times. Uh, lucky number seven. Uh, of course, there is a motorcycle in the background, but you know what? I'm fucking keeping it because I live in New York City. Welcome to the noises of the city, ASMR. Um, and I will see y'all on the other side. So, I mean, yeah. welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to have you and happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How was it? I We were so sad to miss it. It was fun. It was a good time. The The funny surprise of the night was that the bar that I told everybody to go to at 630, I guess doesn't open until 8. So we all ended up at the bar next door. Oh. But nobody else was in there. So it felt like I was like rich and rented out the whole bar. Oh, my God. That's awesome. So, it turned out to be nice. Yeah, it was good. Very cool. And then um, was it your theme? Was, was it the pajama theme yours or was that the, the bar theme? It was the bar. And that's why I was like, I'll do my birthday on a Tuesday because I just kind of thought a pajama party would be a fun theme and I could piggyback off of them. But mm -hmm. they were very strict about pajamas. Like people who didn't have pajamas couldn't come in the door. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, it's probably because like, you know, it's like my birthday. I'm like, oh, we're getting older. And they just like don't want us in there. Mm -hmm. But then I saw these four like beautiful blonde girls that are like maybe 24 at the most, like try to get in. And the bartender or not the bartender, the the guy at the door was like, can I see your outfits? And they didn't have pajamas and he turned them away. So oh, I was like, OK, shit. this is like. But it was fun. We should just go back on some random when they do that party next time. Yeah, just go back. It was fun dancing. I need to get PJs. Me and Aaron realized we don't have PJs. Like I basically sleep naked 
and he sleeps in boxers and we don't have like like a pajama set I've realized and I used to love them growing up I was a big pajama set fan like Victoria's Secret always had their little like fancy like bright pink flannels and I was like love this down yes I only have one because for my sister's wedding she did that bridal thing where she gave us all like a pajama set to get ready in together cute but besides that I'm the same as you like I have a bunch of like let's just say they're not like cute pajamas it's like old sweats or like you know things that are just like you know like your ugly clothes that you put on where you're just like I just need to like feel like a pile of mush yeah yeah when I go to sleep like no one needs to see it it's not pretty it's not like a good (laughs) like anytime I'm wearing a shirt it's not a good look for me or anyone like involved or surrounded by me. Also, I was just like, I don't really want to wear like a negligee set around my friends. Like, I don't think they care, but I just was like, it's not my, not my mood. Yeah. Not your mood, not your vibe. That's totally fair. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that, um, Jenna Marbles thing, like I got three looks. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, it's like, that's me in pajamas also. (laughs) I I only have like one like neutral look, you know? (laughs) No, that is accurate. That's fair. Um, so, oh my goodness, words. Let's talk about the movie that you fucking made. Let's get into it. You're a very good plugger. Um, <laughs> is it hard? Well, this is new. You were like, this is new for, like, I, I'm that person now, like, in the email. Like, can I, because you want to talk about the, the movie. Is it hard to, yeah. like, talk about your your projects? Um, Not in the sense of, like, I'm embarrassed to talk about it, but I feel like, like what you just did was a very nice thing. Like you sort of open-ended like, so what do you think? And, or like, tell me about the movie. And I'm always like, oh, but if you ask me like a very specific question, I could talk about it forever. Cause I just, uh... I get nervous about where to start. But the spiel is it's a psychosexual thriller and it's about, <laughs> <That's incorrect. laughs> it's about this couple that they've been off and on together for like eight years. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're always like getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. And they started dating when she was 19 and he was 34. Oh. And we're watching their relationship play out. And it's one of those dynamics where you're like, is he like manipulative and controlling or is she just like very sensitive? Mm-hmm. And you kind of can't tell whose side you're on in a way. That's and so then- interesting. Oh, sorry. I'm already like cutting all over you. Keep going. Oh, no. Um, you kind of don't know whose side you're on. And then all of a sudden, the entire perspective of the movie pulls a 180. Oh, okay, so, okay. Holy shit. I've only seen the trailer. Um, I'm very excited to see it when you do, like, a New York premiere. Um, but it's really interesting that, like, you don't know whose side you're on. Because you hear, you hear the plot and you're like, oh, this is, this is like, uh, the dude sucks. He's, uh, he's grooming her, you know? Like, like that's a 15-year difference. That's a lot. Uh, which is so to to hear like you don't know if you're on his side or not is like oh like I really just can't wait to see that dynamic play out because you hear that and you're like oh no 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 it's all the dude whose side are you on as someone oh me is well the interesting thing is like whose side am I on I actually I love his character Mm -hmm. I've like been in love with people like him before Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where it's just like all of their everything about them that's controlling is just about them being like overly sensitive and like that's the way that it shows itself. 
but like the movie itself is like her perspective like even when it's technically his perspective the way that we filmed it is her perspective Ah, if that makes sense yeah 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 totally um so but what's interesting about it is I always saw it as like you're a little bit on both of their sides and then at a certain point it just shifts into a whole new perspective Mm -hmm. um which is it becomes a revenge thriller but um but what's been interesting is people the moment they see the trailer they're like fuck this guy yeah like people who see the movie they're like he's so scary and that's been really interesting to hear that like the it's almost like the audience is ready to hate him before they even know him, which makes a lot of sense given like the time we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, you know, there's manipulation happening with the music and the camera and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's like way stronger than I thought it would be. I thought it would be like more of a slow build and people right away are just like, fuck him. No, totally. Like when I saw the trailer and then I don't think I realized the age difference in the trailer, um, but I was already like, no, fuck him. Like, absolutely. Like, that's a very, uh, I think, fair um, feedback of, like, yeah, people are, I would told, I am ready to hate him, too, in the trailer. So that's why when you were, like, you don't know who side you're on, you're, like, oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, when are you, when, when are you having a New York premiere? I'm, like, so excited to see it. I don't know. So basically, it's, like, whichever festival we get into first. Yes. So yes. we've applied to, it's, like. Bushwick, Tribeca, Soho, and Lower East Side. So whichever one we get into first is our premiere. Oh my god! So that's well, so fucking you know. fun, though. Okay, that's so great. Yeah. Oh. I'll spam you. You have to wear your dominatrix outfits so you can match me. I bought this crazy thing with a cape. Um, oh. can I say want to see it, or is that bad for the podcast? Oh no, I want to see I sh- it. Should I show you later? I want to see it. I want to see okay. it. Yes, please go get it. I'm, we'll describe I'm it. I'm in love with it. Okay. Ah! <laughs> Oh my god! I already know what I'll wear. I have like my Spanx, my patent leather Spanx that I'll wear. Okay, I'm obsessed with this. <gasps> I, I can't even get over it. Oh my god! I love. I have the no chain. money in my bank account, and I bought it. Oh no! This is perfect. That with For like cute. some leather leggings and like a crop top. Oh my god! Like so hot. Yeah, you you get it. The um. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it later. I don't want to take over the whole podcast talking about my stupid cape. But no, I'm in love with it. That's so amazing. I cannot wait. The pictures will be perfect. They will be so perfect. Did you? I'm so sorry. I should probably know this. Did you write this script? You are just directed. Just directed. Just it. directed. Okay. Because um, I was interested in like where the story came from, if you know, like where was the inspiration? Yeah. Yeah, so the writer, who's also the star of it, her name's Amanda Jane Stern, Mm -hmm. and the story is basically, like, an amalgamation of both a character and situation that she's, like, kind of had in her mind for a long time, and kind of, like, a mishmash of different relationships and people she's dated Mm -hmm. from being in her 20s and early or late teens in New York City. Yeah, it's giving me, um, do you ever watch the movie 13? Yes. It's giving me 13 vibes. And I actually just rewatched that movie like two weeks ago because I was like, I fucking love that movie as a child, which I probably should not have been watching it as a kid. Um, but rewatched it because I was like, well, it's been a really long time. I was like, no, this shit holds up. And it's like, I think it's pretty like autobiographical for um, not 
Um, I'm blanking on her name. Not the blonde character who was in Westworld. Um, yeah, Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. Not her character. The other character, Evie. I think that was her character's yeah. name. Yeah. It's like based on her real life. Um, so I was wondering how like based in reality this was. Um, yeah. It, dating in your 20s, like holy shit. The shit that you go through or not even go through but put up with. Because now like in my 30s, I look back when they would end I'd be like it was all that person's fault and now it's like no I see the role I played as well and I hope that's growth like I hope that's like okay <laughs> you're learning and it's still not like diminishing the experience that I had because like I definitely had like an emotionally abusive boyfriend but it's like well you stayed in it for a long time and that's not to put blame on me but it's like how did I fuel the fire as well what what was my role what was my part and it's like no one's a hundred percent um like guiltless I feel like in like relationships when they go awry like I mean obviously that's a very like blanket statement for like every relationship and like every relationship is so different but I just remember being like 20 and being like oh no like I was so wronged in so many ways and it's like no you you were a douche in other ways to this person as well like you you're a little bit of a dick um but I don't think I like realized that until like 10 years later you know yeah, I have, like, an interesting thing of, like, looking back and being, like, oh, like, I have a lot of stories of, like, dating people for, like, three months and then having it end in these, like, crazy ways. Oh. Like, like I dated this guy who was, like, this, like, love at first sight type story. And then after three months, he kind of, like, casually mentioned that he was, um, like, polyamorous and had another girlfriend. Oh, that's a fun thing to find three months in. And that's definitely not like how Polly works. Yeah, definitely not how Polly works. My friends who are Polly were more angry than anyone else I know. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's like all these stories like that. Or like I dated, this is like the grossest sentence in the world, but a skateboarder slash comedian off and on for a long time. (laughs) I was like, well, clearly we're like dating and looking back, it's like so obvious that we weren't. But it's like my perspective at that age was like, Mm-hmm. everything is falling in love mm-hmm. versus like we had never discussed that like it's so easy to see how I would believe that and he would believe like oh this is just like this girl that I like hang out with and sleep with on occasion mm-hmm. but like I like neither of us were wrong but we just didn't communicate at all mm-hmm. it's like totally bonkers no it's something that I think a lot of girls go through too and I always wondered is it like I don't know about you but my parents got married very young like 20 21 so when you start dating, there is one like this pressure of like, oh, this is like, like, this is like your person. Like when you're dating, this is like who you are trying to live like the rest of your life with. And I didn't really start actively dating until like I moved to New York City. Like I didn't date really in college or high school. So it was this brand new world that I didn't have any real experience in and then did the same thing where it's like, this is the love of my life. This is, I did that with like a textual relationship where like I was in New York City, they were in Kansas, they were in the Midwest. (laughs) And I was like, I love him. Like we are getting married. I'm going to move to the Midwest for this man. Um, And it was so clear, like, well, he definitely like had feelings for me as well. Um, It was very clear that like, the distance was very safe and nothing was ever going to come from this. So when we officially broke it off, even though we were never like a couple, it took me a year to get over. Like I was like a fully dramatic mess, like crying on the bathroom floor every day before work 
type of situation for a full fucking year. And it's like so embarrassing to admit, but like, I just remember being like, no, this is, this is dating. You're just in it and it's so intense. And then you get married and it's amazing and you love it when really it's like, oh, you're starting to, it's like sex. You're like starting to figure out what you like, what type of people, what type of positions, how much, how soon. And really um, just giving yourself like a grace of experimenting with like all different types of people. And I don't think skateboarder comedian's the worst. I think if it was like DJ, like comedian, then I'd be like, wow, yes. Lauren. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I agree with that. Yeah. Whenever someone's like, I'm dating a DJ, you're just like, yeah. You're like, why? Yeah. Why like, you so that? you're thinking about having kids. Like, what do you? <laughs> yeah. No. Bad. Oh, no. I think skateboarder comedian is bad. It's bad. It's just like. It's just like, how many types of fuck boy can I like shove into this person? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. I mean, the amount of comedians I dated in my 20s. And every time it's like, this was the dumbest mistake of my life. Like, I'm always like, don't date comedians, people. Just don't do it. Unless they are in therapy. Unless, you know, they are working on themselves. Do not I... do it. Yeah, I've like my serious boyfriend who really like helped me make this movie mm-hmm. I was 24 and he was 40 when we dated oh shit um and he's a stand-up comedian oh shit yeah is it you're dating no, when now he, what no not when I'm dating oh now. okay okay. No, okay no no when I was 24 but when press yeah for a second I was coming like... out for this movie mm-hmm. he literally um texted me and was like so do I get some royalties or because like it's so obvious like it's not about him, but of course I like pulled things from our relationship. Like mm-hmm. when I'm talking to the actors and then we're like, you know, moving beats in the story around and stuff. Yeah. Holy shit. I, is that the biggest age difference you've ever done? Yeah. 16 years. Um, what was, if you don't mind me asking, what was the hardest part about that? Like that age difference? Oh my God. I mean, there's a lot of things. I think the thing that's complicated about it is that I think that the things that were the worst parts were like the same opposite side of the same coin of the best parts. And what I mean by that is like, we had an incredible sex life. And I think it's because we had a power imbalance. Mm, Right. mm. And it's very easy. I think sometimes it's easier when you kind of know your role in a way. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, clearly like this is our dynamic and like I'm younger and he's older. So I could like be a little bit more like, I don't know what the word is. Like I could be like bigger and like crazier because like I was younger. So it wasn't actually like scary in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, but like the relationship, it was the age difference was, was hard. I think it wasn't when we first started dating, but when I started to like, know I wanted, like at the time I was like a waitress who was like working at Caroline's in the day and waitressing at night. And he like owned his apartment, you know, Mm -hmm. like right off the park and in Fort Greene. And like, you know, it was like a very different dynamic. And I think I had a, it took me a long time to realize that I couldn't handle like the difference of like, everyone in his life was just at a different place than I was. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, I was like, yeah, when I'm 40, I bet my friends and I will be like this, but I'm not. And it Mm -hmm. just starts to feel weird. But he was always lovely to me, which is also like a funny thing. I think people like want, when you say like, oh, I was 24 and I dated a 40 year old, they want you to be like, and he's a monster. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. he really wasn't. It just was like, I think it was uh, 
unhealthy for reasons that have nothing to do with our ages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective because yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a type of person that I'm like, whoa, that's a, that's a huge one. And it is because to me, it does feel like you're just in different places in your life. However, I never thought about the power dynamic or directly being related to sex, which I'm shocked I didn't think about because that is my favorite type of porn. My favorite <laughs> type of porn is a power um, construct where my the person that I would identify the most with in the porn is below them. Like, I don't know if this is TMI. I have to probably check with Aaron if it's okay to talk about. But like a couple weeks ago when I was out um, like uh, doing a couple shows, he was up at like 6 a.m. And so was I for different reasons. And so he was like, okay, we were just being silly. And he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go, you know, go like masturbate. Um, and he was like, do you want to pick out the porn for me? And I was like, yeah, totally. So I picked out one that was like a doctor female, like doctor patient. So it's a huge power dynamic. Um, and I was like, oh, did you like it? And he was like, no, I really did not like the power dynamic at all. And I was like, oh, that's fair. Cause like we actually like me and him, like don't talk about like what we're watching individually a lot. I think we have very different like vibes via porn. And I think women, a lot of times have these very like, like gang bangs, like, like the power dynamic is always your like, call me a slut, call me a whore type of stuff, which I just love that. I'm going so into it. I have to definitely check no, with Aaron I, if this is okay yeah. to talk about. Me and my boyfriend try to watch porn together, and it doesn't work because I get really in my head trying to show him things, but he yes. kind of doesn't care. Yes. Like, he would be happy with anything I put on, probably. And I'm, like, too um, in my head, but... Um, all the porn I like to watch is basically like, no matter what the genre is, it's always like woman on the bottom. Even if it's, she's topping from the bottom, she's still on the bottom. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. like my favorite thing. Oh, I when I try it. other things, it's like, eh, and then I end up just like back. Uh, I back. I don't remember what it was. And this is, I found this out from a comedian in her set, but I guess Pornhub um, got rid of a lot of porns, but they couldn't confirm that it was like consensual. Uh, and I was like, that's amazing. That's great. Right. Cause a lot of my stuff is very like power dynamic. Definitely want to make sure this shit is consensual and like, you know, scripted and all that stuff. And she, the comedian as Liz Glazer, Liz Glazer. No, that's not her name. I'll have to find it out. Um, her Instagram is glitter cheese, but Liz, oh, it's Liz, Liz Traeger. It's Lisa Traeger. Lisa Traeger. Lisa Traeger. Okay. And so she was like, yeah, then I got on Pornhub and all like all my favorite porns were gone. And I was like, that's hilarious. And then I got on Pornhub. And a lot of my favorite porns were gone. And I was like, oh, my God. Because I always kind of assumed, I was like, oh, this has got, like, you know, like, production value. Like, this is scripted. And I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. That's really scary. I'm afraid to uh, check Pornhub. Also, um, this isn't related, but I discovered this about myself the other day. So I feel like I should tell you. So my whole, my favorite porn thing is I like reading Literatica oh it's so good yes dude literatica.com it's the same ui that they've been using since the 90s clearly and i love it and i knew i did this but i never like said it out loud to myself i only like reading things that are from first person male perspective isn't that weird Ooh, so that's why i really love ya but they're older so like we're talking like college early 20s one of my favorite favorite and it's all first person 
But one of my favorite, favorite ones is Red, White, Royal Blue. And it's a queer YA um, about <laughs> the first son. Like, where's a pen? <laughs> yeah, I'm writing this down. <laughs> the first son, uh, like, you know, of the president and the uh, a prince, like the prince in line uh, in England. And it is so queer and it's so sexual. But it is first person male perspective. And like, I fucking love it. I've actually destroyed it. I bought it right before um, me and Aaron got married and right before Scotland. And obviously, I didn't realize how many nerves I had for like those like upcoming you know projects. And I read it, I just kept rereading it over and over again. There was something so soothing about these like very like detailed sex scenes. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. Like if I, it's in my other room, but if I pull it up, it's just destroyed. Like half the book came apart because <laughs> I just read it so much. Um, but yes, first person, literatica, love it. Love it so much. Yeah. Ah, this is what I love about the podcast. It's like everything just goes everywhere. Like how much like your movie fits into it. And then like, I wanted to ask you about that. So like, I'm so inspired by like your directing career and just being a director in general. And so how is it being like a female director on something on a, on a movie that is so sexual with these power dynamics and then pulling, like you like mentioned, like you pulled it from, you pull some help to direct from your life. Like, while it's not like your script, it's still very like, um, Oh, what's the word I want? Like you get it. Like, you know, you've like lived part of this as well. Yeah. I mean, it's been the best experience of my life. Like I, I've loved it. I love directing this. I think, well, first off, I, when I read the script, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely loved it. And me and Amanda, who um, I mentioned earlier, she wrote it and she stars in it. Like we were just, we wanted to say the same things. And I think I guess I should say that a different way. We had the same questions that we wanted to explore. So it was never like we want to, I should speak for me, not her. I never want to make a movie or make anything that's like, this is the all telling thing about this. I think that that's like bullshit. Like, I always think that the best things that I mean, oh God, I don't even want to say that. Let me, let me say that a different way. It's like, it was all pulling from our experiences and, our lives and getting to like put our brains together. And so the script changed a lot, the more we worked on it together and we got to know the characters Mm -hmm. and yeah, I don't know. I loved this experience. I don't know. I don't know what the question was anymore. I kind of threw like seven questions in at once. Um, But what made me think of it was I worked for someone uh, who was a woman who I remember hated working with female directors like she was like it's just they're just not direct enough they're not blah 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 this person's older and so I was also kind of wondering like have you had that experience where people kind of push back towards you and in your direction and how do you handle that like I feel like this is all coming from an outside perspective like I've never been like on sets in that type of way or that type of dynamic like how, do, how does a director maintain control and respect when there's so many egos at play? And then again, there's like the possible like age difference. Cause like this person that was um, talking about was older and seemed to not grasp. I don't want to put words in her mouth. My perspective, when she talked about it, I was like, you're kind of out of touch. 
um, if you're not going to um, respect like the female director that you are working with, or if you're going to like talk shade or talk shit. And so how do you deal with something like that? If you have um, professionally and like personally, like how do you, those two different worlds? Yeah. So it's interesting because it's almost like, I feel like I've had a whole evolution in my career with how I've dealt with that. And I actually think that a lot of women who start directing, you aren't direct because you've been taught your whole life not to be. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that it's something that you have to, it's like, it was an evolution for me. So on this, everybody was a hundred percent respectful. In my experience, it's rarely things when that happens, it's always like, someone who doesn't know you and it's the first day and they're trying to prove a point. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I'd gone through phases when I first was directing where it wasn't that people would be against me on set. It's that they would go, my whole problem was that people would be like, Oh, let's just say we co-directed it, even though I did everything and they were just there on set with me. And mm. it took me a long time to say no mm-hmm. and to learn like when people because I think a lot of times when people do stuff like that, they're good intentioned and they don't realize that they're not really being fair. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning of my career, almost everything that I co-directed, I directed Holy shit. and like fully directed. And it took me a long time to realize just to be like, no, I'm not doing that. Or, or when people say, Hey, I'd love to like co-direct this thing with you of turning them and being like, okay, but if you want to be the director, let me know. And in the future, I'll direct something, but let's not try to like, I don't want to play this game with you. And then like, I don't, I don't even mess with that anymore. If someone's like co-direct, I'm like, no, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. have a good time. Um, But that was the thing I had to learn how to say no to. And then I also went through a phase where I would be really mean at the top of the set because then people would be afraid of me mm-hmm. and I knew they wouldn't. I don't have to do that anymore, but I also think that maybe because I just have more confidence now, mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have a friend who let me shadow him once. His name is Edmund Hawkins. And I thought this was like a woman thing that only people kind of tried to like throw their opinion at women. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I taught, um, a comedy directing class through gold comedy a couple mm. months ago. And, um, which was amazing. And I had a whole lesson about like your female directors, like here are ways to like get people to leave you alone. Mm-hmm like truly like all these tricks of being like, Oh, what a great idea. If we have time at the end of the day. And like, you know, you're never going to have time. I love that. Like just things to like shut people up. Like yeah. I truly was like, here's things that I used to use when I still was like at a place in my career when people thought that they could do that. Uh-huh. Um, but anyways, I was, I was shadowing Edmund and he's directing like a TV show, like a proper television show, like executives, the whole rigmarole. And I watched people do it to him too. Wow. So it's just everyone. I think that it's, I think if you're not somebody who runs your crew in fear, if you're somebody who runs your crew with love, people are always going to have opinions. And it's your job to know when, when does somebody have an opinion because they care about the shoot? And when does someone have an opinion because they're having an ego moment? And, and whenever someone has an opinion that might better the shoot, you listen. Mm-hmm. They might see something you don't. And if you don't have time, you say, sorry, like we have to move on. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, is someone just having a bad day and they think they can 
do this or they wish they were the director and they have an opinion because you know how most art works it's like your movie might be good if you were the one to direct this but guess what you're not Mm -hmm. like you have to you have to follow this vision so that's taken me a long time to kind of learn that balance and I think it's worse for women and people of color but I think it's everybody is it hard to handle like that mental load of figuring out is this an ego uh suggestion or is this like a comes from love suggestion no I think it's like anything like probably when you're at a bar you can tell if a guy is being friendly or when he's flirting with you Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that like it just happens you just start to have a sense about it and a lot of it is how they approach you you can tell when someone's like hey so I noticed you did this what do you think about that like you can tell in people's tone right away if they're being respectful and are just like, Hey, I want to run an idea by you Mm -hmm. versus like somebody just being like, you know, vomiting something at you to like prove a point. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So I was like talking with um, one of my comedians yesterday and we were like talking about producing because like I produce everything as well as like perform. And I was like, producing your kind of the producer role, in like my opinion, and this is just like, in this type of role of like live performance um, and touring, not necessarily like on a set. I was like, you're kind of like the mom, like you do a lot of work and there's no, um, uh, oh, what's the word? Uh, There's not always a lot of recognition, which is fine. Like, I'm not like, I'm not like, why aren't you like telling me how great I am? It is just part of the role. Like babysitting was one of the best things ever to teach me how to be a producer um, for like, for like touring and like booking and like all that shit. What do you think the role of a director is in like a familial type of like relationship? Like who is the director? I think your mom and dad for sure. But I agree with you that producer is mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I actually think that producing and directing a movie at the same time is a nightmare because you need, sometimes you need to just be like, this is how it is. And you can't be like, you have to ignore people's feelings sometimes, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is like hard, but you can't be like the soother and the decider at the same time in a way. Not always true, but sometimes. But I think the most interesting thing about being a director is like, obviously you have a big role, but really your role is about like, how do you take all these brilliant people and make sure they understand your story enough so that like you're basically just helping them shine. So like, I think a lot of times it's like, we're so focused on like, Oh, like Wes Anderson. And he's so amazing. It's like, well, guess what? That's his cinematographer and also his production designer. As and like, Wes we don't Anderson know their name. Underrated. Um, or sorry, overrated. I find him very overrated. Yeah. We don't know the cinematographer's yeah. name. I don't Mm-mm. even though, but his signature style is all about, his camera and his production design. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of directors like that. And not to say directors don't deserve like recognition. We do. But I think a lot of it is just like, how do you make like, how do you like translate your ideas enough so that the costume designer can tell her story? So the production designer can tell her story. So the cinematographer can tell their story. Like, Mm-hmm. you're like a, I don't know, you're like one of those Power Ranger things where you all come together and you're like the head, but like, you know. Yeah. 
We actually also listened to you um, yesterday on the ride home, the episode, because um, I'm really bad at listening to podcasts. And so I was like, oh, shit, this is a really good episode. I should listen to more podcasts. Um, it was Las Culturistas interview with Michelle Yeoh from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh. Did you listen to that episode? No, but love them, love her. And she was talking about, um, she's talking about a lot of stuff that we're talking about now. And she was talking about how uh, that movie was basically seven genres in one movie. They only had eight weeks to film and it eight weeks, but 37 days. And they were all union actors. So like, you can't work like crazy hours. Um, and just you think talking about like Wes Anderson and stuff, I was just thinking about how like, and how like how important it is as a director to know your story, to help every other um, person tell the story. I was like, shit, like, you know, how did they do that with seven different genres basically and all the stuff going on? And, but they pull it off, right? They pull it off. Um, oh my God. What was the reason I brought this up? I brought this up because I think just to reiterate what you said, because yeah, like the movie had a style, but like it's this whole team effort. And maybe that's a part of why the, that movie works so well too, is because you can feel the team effort in that movie. Um, if it does not win best picture, <laughs> I think people would riot. I think like yeah. the world would riot, but I think so too. Um, I kind of lost why I brought that up. My other question though is right now, is there a director that you were like, this is, this is my inspiration. Everything they do. I just love, learn, grow, live, laugh, love with. Oh, I, I have a ton, but the, I guess my answer that came to the top of my head is Andrea Arnold. I don't think I'm in love with her and all her work. Oh my God. Well, I'm about to throw some movies. I'll send you a list. Please. I'm actually sending it right now. But the um I love her and I love Alma Harrell. I'm like very in love with Alma Harrell. She she did um it's funny because their two movies have similar sounding titles, but American Honey is the Andrea Arnold. And they both have Shia LaBeouf, which I know he's canceled, but we'll talk about that later. Um I did want to see American Honey though. Oh, it's like every frame of photograph it is so beautiful and so well acted and the soundtrack is so good andrea arnold everything she does is amazing and then alma harrell did honey boy um which is another shia labeouf movie but that's the one about his life right like yes i loved i think it got snubbed honestly um but i just love them i love them i also, Alma Harrell has big curly hair, so I feel like a kinship with her. Yes. But um, and she also like genre hops. You know, like she does like comedy, and then she does like a beautiful drama, and I don't know. I could, I love them, but I have other film. I don't know. I could talk film with you forever. You'd be bored out of your mind. Oh my god, no! I find this so interesting, and I love like something I learned too. Like for, like personally, just genre hopping made me think of this. Is like for a long time, I was like, you were just this person you are this, like you dress like this, you do this, this, and this, this is what you're known for. And it wasn't until I think like the past like two years, I was like, you can be whoever the fuck you want. You can genre hop. Today, I want to do uh, surfing and dress like a little skater girl. Today, I want to be dressed like in my patent leather spandex and like be a super little hottie. But it took me and again, I don't know where it came from. This is all like personal like bullshit in my head but it was like oh no you are this one genre and this is how you will succeed like you have to do this this and this and it's like whatever the fuck you want at any day and it can change left and right and that does not mean you're being disingenuous at all to yourself it's just like this is who you are and you have multitudes so I love a good genre hop like I think genre hopping should be something that we learn how to make it like a little like tag 
that we say in memes to be like, look at me genre hopping. Um, and yeah, like within creative worlds too, you don't want to get stuck. Like you don't want to feel like this is all I'm known for. I'm known to do so much more, which actually leads me to, I wanted to ask you like, what is currently your favorite genre to direct and what do you want to do in the future? Um, I mean, my favorite genre to direct is, is comedy. And then I loved doing this drama. I love doing like this relationship drama, mm-hmm. but to your genre hopping, I think that my, uh, my curse in life is I've never like picked one genre. Mm-hmm. I just want to keep making stuff that is fun and we'll see what happens after this. Cause it's like, now that I've made a movie, I feel like I don't know how to go back like I've been doing shorts and I'm like okay this is like fun but like what's my next movie so I'm like looking for scripts like truly Ooh. I'm like hungry for scripts I'm like ready to oh, that's, I don't know that's so fucking cool that's so exciting um speaking of shorts the Joe Firestone haunted was great the haunted house were you oh, when, when you were there I only bring it up because I want to know like did you feel like the house was haunted or did you feel like it was fake yes Ooh. It is a hundred percent like everything in my body was like standing on edge and Joe wanted to leave. Like that was not her acting. I had to convince her to stay many times to the point where I was like, is she not going to like want to talk to me after this shoot? Because she kept wanting to leave. And I was like, we have a whole crew here. Like you got to do this. Like we have to do this. It's cool. You'll be good. But like, it was scary in there. Oh my God. Oh my God. Though I so badly want a series of Joe going to different haunted places. Like I want it so bad. Um, and we, yeah, it was so great to see because you all of a sudden you see you at the end because she's like trying to run out and we were all like, that's Lauren. And then we're like, oh my God, Lauren directed this. Oh my God. I think I, pop, I saw it pop up on Joe's um, Instagram before I saw it on yours. And I was like, that's amazing. That was my only question for that was I was like, that was amazing. That was the best. Um, oh my gosh. No, I just think it's really cool uh, to be so happy and excited and fearless in a male dominated field. And I just love women that do that. Um, and you probably get this question all the time because I get it all the time too, being like, well, what's it like being a female comedian to talk about sex or like, what's it? And I feel like a lot of people want the answer to be like, it's really hard. I'm constantly working against X, Y, and Z. And a lot of times it's not, it's like a lot of times people are cool. People are down and it's trying to get away from this, like, um, stereotype that it's hard. I mean, I even ask like questions about like, is it hard to be like a female director? Um, but it's really cool to hear like, it's, you know, this similar shit happens to like all directors, like even though it could be harder for some people, but just knowing that like this works and I just realized my microphone is not plugged in. Oh my God, but this (laughs) should be fine. Oh my God. I just looked down and was like, that's your microphone. <laughs> and my microphone's right here. Um, but I can oh see. It's fine. I can see in my Google, um, my garage band that I'm, I'm picking up, uh, which is great. Aaron, my producer, I am so sorry if my tracks are not as good as they normally are. Hold on. I'm pulling up my Zoom so I can see you again. That is so funny. I have never done that before. Um life right live laugh love life wait i want to say something before you move on because i don't want to be like being a filmmaker as a woman is easy yeah right like like a lie Mm -hmm. um 
But this is, I think this is what it comes down to is like, I do think it's harder for women, mm-hmm. like for sure. Um, for sure, for sure, for sure. But I think that, and you probably experienced this too as a comedian. I think there comes a point where it's almost not helpful to pay attention to those things. Mm. So it's not that I like, we could talk for hours about all the different ways that being a woman in film is harder than being a man in film. And like, truly like how much harder I have to work to be like seen in a certain way than, than male directors do. But at the end of the day, I think that, sometimes because that's like kind of a hot conversation to have right now. And like as millennials, we're like very into identity politics and we're very into identity and what it means. And we're asking really good questions. But like, I think sometimes because that's all we talk about, it seems like it's all bad. Mm -hmm. And, and also that like, I think women, I, I don't know. It's like, I think the conversation is good, but it's like, you know, that thing of like, help me recognize what I can change and what I can't the strength to know the difference or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's good to know when the things are about sexism. So you're not making it about you. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think that like, oh, there's like kind of a disservice happening when I feel like there's this thing that happens all the time where people talk to women and they only are like, well, what's the your women's perspective for being like, this is so stupid, but. I've been rewatching um, Chef's Table on Netflix. Ooh, I have not seen this. Oh, you know it though, right? Yes, yes. Okay. And the whole first season, they do, it's all men. And then the episode about the woman, they make her entire story about what it means to be a woman chef, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's her story, but also it's like, okay, so everybody else though, we got to learn their philosophy on food and their philosophy on life. And- for her, we only got to learn what it means for her to be a woman, even though she's also one of the top chefs in the world mm. and has this restaurant that people talk about it changing their lives going to. So she knows something about food. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where it becomes like, now I'm just ranting about women's no. perceptions in media. No, but, that's um, when it gets reductive. I think you're right. Like, that's when... What did you say earlier? Like, it's not that it's easier, but it's like you kind of have to not... Not, not that you said not talk about it, um, but not like acknowledge it because it's it takes away from that person. And I think that's the right way to put it. I think that is how I've dealt with it too. Like just being like a female comedian, not like, again, not the same thing, but you're right. Like, and not, we watch Ink Master, which is like <laughs> reality TV for, um, tattoo artists and the same thing happens they do like a they have like a guys versus girl like season and it is all about like how hard it is to be a female tattoo artist rather than like this is what why I love it or this is why I do it like the men got and that's a really really good point I think you're making amazing points well thank you thank you yeah what is your philosophy with directing what is what are your what's your why like, I, I think that I was drawn to filmmaking and stayed like I was like a writer and I was a stand like I did all these things and none of it stuck. And I think that filmmaking stuck because 
you're like collaborating with a ton of people to make something. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I like get off on. Like I love meeting with everybody and being like, how are we going to do this? And like getting to be like gooey with people is my favorite thing. I love that gooey. Yeah. It's like gooey. Like it's like, we're all just being like, Oh, but like, like this character, would they wear this color pink? Because this color pink stands for more of like wisdom. And her thing is that she's more innocent. So like these like little stupid creative things like I love the creative problem solving of it so like that's I think that that's the why and also like I just I don't know I just love it that's the only that's the real why I don't know if I'm like I think I would probably be happy like working in other genres if it was like oh you're like doing theater or you're doing but I just I just think film really lends itself to I don't know just having like a ton of people being gooey together so Mm -hmm. that's the and also, like, I'm bossy, so it, it comes <laughs> together, you know? And I think sometimes that's just what it boils down to is that I just really love it, you know? And it's crazy. Not everyone gets to experience that. You know, a lot of people try to find what they really love doing. And not that I, I'm like, oh, you find what you love doing. You're never working a day in your life. I, that's not true at all. Like, it's still, like, work and still hard. And it'd be great if we all just had all the monies and not have to work and just do, like, our passion projects. But like, I think back to a lot of people in my life that I'm like, I, they don't know, they never did know what they loved, what made them, because it is like you light up, like when you talk about your, your projects, um, Sam lights up talking about vocabulary, you know, like I light up talking about comedy or like producing or stand up, like to get that, what a privilege or like what a gift to get that moment to get to do it and then have the balls to do it. Right. Cause half the time it's like, just being um, sane and brave enough or insane enough and brave enough to still give it a try and move to a crazy big city that's overwhelming and then still find a way to get in. And now you've made, like, you've made a movie. That's so fucking cool. Yeah, I I agree with you that I think so much of it is just like being dumb enough to try. Right. And um, I have this like postcard that I keep by my desk because it's so whatever I'm just gonna be dorky in a minute but it's this postcard and on the back of it it says um it's not art unless there's potential for it to be a disaster yes and I think it's true like it's like then you're not really trying anything or saying anything or you know but it's only art if you're if it could be really really bad Mm -hmm. only if it can be really really bad and it can only be a risk if there's a lot of potential for failure and just to be able to just like get up and do it again. Like that is truly like the definition of like, you know, being crazy, being psychotic. It's just doing it over and over again. And that's all we do like as creatives is get up and do it again and again. And like, I don't know about you. I've had plenty of years. Where I'm like, this might be the year where I stop, where I give up. But there's just something in it that really keeps you fighting and going. And I think it really like is just like that the love of it, like no matter what happens, if you like, quote unquote, make it or not, it's like, but you love it. Why would I not do anything else? Why would I stop and lose that? I think about that a lot, like all the time, because this year has been a lot of like, it's weird. I kind of have like two realities going on. One is that I directed a movie and I'm like getting recognition for that. And it feels like really amazing. Um, Yeah, it feels like really good. And I feel like I'm like leveling up. But on the other hand, like, I have no money. Mm-hmm. And so it's this weird thing of like, in some ways I feel 
like I'm very successful in other ways. I feel like I could not be less successful. Mm -hmm. And I think about like what happens if this movie goes nowhere, like truly if it goes nowhere and it's just like a bunch of us watching it at Littlefield at some point. And it's just like, I just have to remind myself that like everything besides just doing the work is like an ego exercise Mm -hmm. because none of it is about how good the work is or how much you loved making it. It's just about the politics or did you know this one person to get into that festival or were you at the dinner party where that distributor was there? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and I didn't come up in a Hollywood family. So it's just like remembering all, like just being like, okay, like whatever happens, it's just about making it. Everything else is just bonus and Mm -hmm. like trying to, it all the time and that's just the hardest part too because with instagram and like social media and tiktok we only see the good you know we all we don't see the hardest part like the hard parts or like the like i i feel like i never talked about this for years but like i have credit card debt from awkward sex like from investing in touring and things like that and then you know no one showing up no one at the shows or having to do x y and z and i've never talked about it before because i was so embarrassed um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, and now I'm like, no, why would I not talk about this? Why would I not be like, no, I've definitely had terrible days. I've definitely invested thousands of dollars that are on my credit card that I've had to balance, like move to different credit cards to like get interest free so I could pay off, um, slower because yeah, we live in New York city. It's an expensive city. My day job does not afford me the luxury of having the best of both worlds yet. Um, and it's not talked about. And then you do feel like a failure. And that's where the spiral comes of like, everyone thinks this is what's happening. But really, this is what's happening. Like, for me, I'll be like, Oh, I'm, I would be like, I'm such a liar. Like, no one knows the truth. And it's like, no, like, both realities are real. And it's probably happening to all of us, but no one's talking about it. So I'm trying to be way more open about that as well. And that's like, that's so real. Like, a movie costs a shit ton of money to make and time and energy and effort. Um, but I do fully feel uh, this is going to get into festivals and it's going to turn into something. Well, thank you. Yeah. And if not, you'll be with me at Littlefield. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Sandy, this comedian, Sandy Mark, she made a like documentary, like kind of about like her life. And I remember she was like, we're not getting into any festivals. And then like a year later, she was in all these festivals. And now it's like on Amazon Prime. It is, that's the hardest part too with like the creative like process is it's never, and I guess like in life in general too, it is never just like stagnant and straight up. You do go straight up and down, up and down. And the hardest part, but I think once you can figure it out, the moment you can can handle the lows as well as the highs, you're like limitless uh, when you're not like, you know, a Nepo baby and like have a shit ton of money because they can just get whatever they want. But like when you can handle both um, and not like spiral, and I'm saying this because like I always would spiral, then things change, like something shifts. Um, and just learning, it's like that learning the the patience of the, the, long, the long road, the long journey. It sucks. It's just a fucking marathon, unfortunately. That never ends. It's like, there's never an end spot. <laughs> you just no. keep going. It's an endurance test for sure. It really is. Like I was telling someone the other day, like Scotland felt like a failure in a lot of ways. And now six months removed, I was like, it gave me so much endurance. And now 
um, one of the comedians with me was like, yeah, now everything feels doable compared to what we put ourselves through. And it's like that mental shift was like, that's it. Everything just feels doable, even though we know it's never going to stop. Yeah, I feel like there's this interesting thing happening where um, before the pandemic, I felt like I was very much a part of the comedy scene. Mm -hmm. And after the pandemic, like most of the theaters I went to don't exist anymore. And like the video shows I went, like they've everything's kind of like phoenixed and been rebirthed. And it's this weird game of like, okay, so like, none of these communities exist the way that they used to. And so your reputation isn't there anymore. And like, you're feeling like, okay, do I love it enough to do it all again? Mm -hmm. Like, do I like, can I start from scratch? And the answer is like, weirdly, yes. Mm -hmm. But it's such a weird thing of like, I feel like we're creatively like, you know, doing these cycles. And then like, in New York, at least for me, it feels like I'm like doing a cycle again of like, okay, how do I be social again? It's like going out to shows, like seeing people like, it's not Red Hot Video fun time anymore. It's club video. Are you going to club video? You know, it's like this weird, like, yeah, all these new scenes. no, that's 100% correct. And like relearning, like, I'm the worst about going to shows. And I'm like, you have to go like, you want to support these people, you want to see these people. And it's part of like the game, right? Of like being seen being like, Oh, they're like, yeah, yeah, now you do this for my thing, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it is a weird yes of like, yeah, I'm ready to start all over. I'm ready to give it another go over and over again. Ugh, blurg. Uh, um, so this is kind of, we've been recording for an hour and normally at the end, I always ask before like stopping, was there anything we did not talk about that you'd want to talk about? Um, my headphones just died. So I'm sorry if it's going to sound bad. No, that's um, okay. No, we, I thought we were going to talk about the movie for two seconds where we just talked about sex the whole time. Um, so this was, um, this was great. No, I, um, we talked about everything. I don't know. Is there anything you want to talk about? I feel like we didn't get raunchy at all. Oh yeah. We got straight into porn at one point, but okay, the movie I was, I feel like you got enough. The movie is, is a perfect, um, subject for the podcast. And like I said, like it, the podcast goes where the, the guest wants to go. And so I love talking about this. I think like dynamics like this, everything, the way I try to explain it to people is like everything in our day to day affects our relationships. It affects our sex lives. It affects who we are. Everything is like related to that. And that's why I think there's a lot of room to talk about anything on the podcast. Like, like I'm not, um, like guys we fucked is a good podcast and it's very like about sex only sex i like to think of mine as more like relationships like who who are we to other people within relationships platonic romantic what like whatever like where does that put you and there's just a lot of room to talk and a lot of room to listen so like i think this is a great fucking episode Awesome. Okay. You're happy. I'm happy. I'm so happy. I know it's hard to explain in the beginning. Like I'm like, yeah, we're just going to talk and people are like, okay. And then afterwards they're like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah. It's just that, you know, I was like, oh, we're so, I don't know. I feel like selfish because we talked about the movie and filmmaking so much and we didn't, but if you feel happy, that's all that matters to me. No, the podcast is different from the show because you've been to the show multiple times where it's way more sex stories podcast is for the guests it's their time to shine and whatever they want to talk about i'm down okay awesome
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being around. I'm so honored to always get to do this podcast and have you listen. Remember to go follow Lauren Greenhall at Greenhall with four L's at the end on social media. And you can always rate, like, subscribe, review, share um, Awkward Sex in the City as well and follow us as well on Instagram. And I can't wait to see you in two weeks. I say Instagram because it's kind of the only one I really like to use. So sorry, Twitter. Um, And yeah. See you later.